everyone, and welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host, Max Bowen. But for this episode, folks, we are shifting gears a little bit. Uh, we are going to be talking to uh, Todd McKay. He's the founder and CEO of the uh, nonprofit out of Boston, Help Here Heal. And of course, joining me, as he always does, my wonderful co-host, Curtis Hughes. Curtis, great to see you again, buddy. Great to be here. Let's get the show rocking and rolling. All right. Well, Todd, man, welcome to the show. It's great to be talking to you as well. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. So for the folks who are a little unfamiliar, tell us about how Help Here Heal got its start. So my, and I can actually talk about this now, our trial is over. My daughter was sexually abused for three years from 12 to 15. And we, going through our process, um, had a tremendous amount of out-of-pocket expenses that insurance wouldn't cover. So we spent a good ten to $12,000 out-of-pocket and realized as we were going through the journey, um, pe- some folks just don't have those funds. And we felt financial capacity shouldn't be a barrier to getting therapeutic help that you need. So we vacillated on it for a couple of years, tried to really hone in on, on what we were going to do. And we decided with a partnership with ThriveWorks that we were going to just raise funds and pay for folks first six visits. So when they, when they made that initial step of, I need help, make sure that insurance wasn't a factor. Maybe we'd back bill insurance, whatever the case may be, but at least we will fund you to get you in immediately. Cause there's a lot of, I want help. And then a week later, you're like, Oh, I don't know. So we're like, no, we're just going to immediately fund and get you, get you into counseling. Okay. Todd, with the, uh, the name from the organization that you have, um, I'm just curious, help here, heal. Those are three very distinct. If you think about them, powerful words, what kind of went into the thought process with specifically using those words and naming that? So we want to help you, we hear you, and we want to help you heal. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I want to talk about the mission of uh, providing survivors with the funds for therapy. Why go this particular route as opposed to being like um, a call line or something like that? I think there's enough of those organizations exist, RAIN, and th- there's, there's a bunch out there that exist, and no one is directly providing financial support for people in need of therapeutic support. Um, and we just thought that this was the right niche, if you will. I hate using that word, but it was, it was the right play for us, that there are other organizations out there doing program and lobbying and all this other stuff. We just want to get our boots on the ground and just get someone in when they need the help. Whether they have the money or they don't, let, let's just, we, we just got to roll. We got to do it. Exactly. Because as you mentioned earlier, this is such a critical need because there are a lot of folks who want therapy, who need therapy, but they look at the price tag and think, oh, this is like 70 bucks an hour, 100 bucks a, an, an hour. I can't do that. And they just have to suffer. And it's also folks that are just like, you know, um, they can't afford the 20 or $30 copay yeah. and you're going every, and you're going every week. And that's 120 bucks, maybe, probably more. And they just can't afford that, so they don't do it. Yeah. And I, you know, again, like we were, we were in a position financially where it's like we're just going to write the checks because you know, it, 
my daughter needs the help and we have the funds and I don't care what it costs. But there's not a lot of people in that position that can always do that. And mm. we're like, all right, let's 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 do this. Let's let's create this organization. Let's raise funds. We've got 12 people through the program already. And, you know, and we only launched in God. Oh, my God. We're coming up almost a year. Wow. Um, and like when we started this, my wife and I were like, you know, if we help one or two people a year, that that fills our heart. And the fact that we've kind of grown a little bit bigger um, is fantastic. One year. Wow. That's really amazing because checking out your website and seeing all the work you've done, I would have thought you'd been around for like 10 years or like 20. Oh, don't even talk about the website. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's so much work that needs to be done there. And we've had a ton we've had a ton more press that's not even mentioned on the website. But yeah. And I it also like part of what took us a long time to kind of officially launch was we were very, very, very selective in our board members and who was going to be part of this. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so a that really good time to mention, actually, uh, the person who kind of got the ball rolling on this, uh, Bethany Lawson. You know her from yep. uh, from the band Plastic Angels, but she's also one of your advisors. And I uh, just yep. want to give, of course, a big thanks to Bethany for connecting uh, Todd with us and, of course, just for being a part of the group. Um, Beth Bethany and Jeff are fantastic. I was down two or three weeks ago in Nashville to go in to see one of their shows, flew down from Boston to just, like, meet them in person, be part of one of their shows. It was it was fantastic. And they're, they're very passionate and amazing people. Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little bit about the people involved in this organization, kind of what their different roles are? So I have my co-founder, um, who is Jules, um, she is a sexual abuse survivor. She was abused by a junior minister, if you will. I forget what the right term is. And she was abused by him. He, her, she's all over. So it's um, Jules Woodson. And she, her story went nationwide. Um, and he disclosed to his mega church and got a standing ovation for standing up and admitting to doing it. Like, which is absolutely insane. What the fuck? Um, yeah. Yeah. That... No, it was, it was crazy, crazy. And then, so obviously, Bethany, you, you're aware of and know a bit of her story. My wife, obviously, is an advisor, but she's, <laughs> she, she can only kind of be a cursory advisor because she's in fundraising, so she can't mm -hmm. actually help with fundraising, conflict of interest, all that stuff. Um, Elizabeth Gazda, she, I've known her for well over 20 years. She's started and run a multiple number of startup companies. Um, is just very passionate about what we're doing. And God, dude, you're going to make me go to the website. I'm missing <laughs> which, which, we will not, which we are not talking about, by the way. We will not bring, bring up the website. Uh. <laughs> See what happens? Just one little, one little thing, Max. I know, one right? I had to mention the website, didn't I? Damn it. This is why we, we, we got to do rehearsals. This is so bad. If they hear this, they're like, asshole, what are you kidding I know, right? <laughs> I, I quit. I'm done. And Rachel, Rachel Stewart. So she is a adjunct professor at Northeastern University. Northeastern University. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've put Help Here Hill through their marketing program twice to help us kind of find direction and make sure we were going in the right space. And her students did a lot of research to make sure that like, are we on the right path that we truly, do we truly believe in what our mission is and our, is it factual that there's mm -hmm. no one doing this? And twice through in the last year, year and a half, 
we, we, we still feel valid in what our mission is. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. Because I've never really heard of a group doing this, frankly. It's usually there'll be like a helpline or a call center or the, a group you go to, to if you need just resources, like who do I speak to? So I think it's wonderful that you're able to offer this kind of financial support, which, of course, is so badly needed, which says a lot about the crappy healthcare system in this country. Correct. Correct. And like we have multiple kind of prongs we're going after. You know, again, we're small. We're all volunteer. I up until three months ago had a job. Now I don't, which is fantastic. Loving the summer. Um, but it's like going after like a podcast series that we're gonna, we want to run. And we've done a number of recorded podcasts of people telling their stories. My daughter overheard when my daughter was inpatient for the second time she overheard someone talking about her abuse and that gave her the courage to say, this is why I'm self-harming. Mm. I've been sexually abused. And I think those stories are incredibly important to get out. You know, I think that the people we've, we've, we've done podcasts with in their 40s, 50s, that have just carried this for decades. And my daughter, I'm now I might get emotional, so you'll have to cut this part out. Um, she's 21. She's done all the work. She's done the trauma therapy. Now she's a paramedic and helping others. And well, Hey, good on her. Good on her. I think it's wonderful that, that she's able yeah. to, to help others. Absolutely. That, that's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, amazing. Really she's is an amazing, amazing girl. Yeah. Amazing. We have a three-year-old, so new marriage, new baby. Aww. We have a three-year-old and they're so tight. It's like, it, it's amazing. It's she's, she's, Done amazing. Yeah, yeah. Now, Todd, you mentioned the podcast that, that, that you've been recording. This would be the uh, the Journey Forward podcast? Yes. Excellent. Do you have a release date in mind for when this will make its big debut? We're, we're working on it. We want to have at least 48 recorded before we launch, just so that way we have cadence. Yeah, um, yeah. And we're also, we've, we've kind of shifted where it won't just be survivors. It will be, also be clinicians and medical workers and whatnot that, that come into contact with survivors. So it's just not just survivors. Initially, it was going to be just survivors, but I think it does make sense for clinicians and medical workers that just kind of come into contact with us. Yeah, absolutely. And tell their, and tell their story and encourage people to like come forward and, and stop the shaming. Like, yes. Because you were sexually, you were yep. sexually assaulted and you're a survivor. Don't, don't feel shame. It's hard to say don't feel shame, but yeah. try not to or get the help sure. to get over that hurdle that this wasn't your doing. Yeah. I want to talk about that because that's certainly a very important thing. I think a lot of folks don't share their story because they're ashamed for whatever reason. Where does that stigma come from? Why do some folks feel they just can't share their story. I think in some of the podcasts we recorded is a lot of, it's sad, but it's family. Family is like, if you come out about this, it's going to shame our family. Like I know two people I've talked to, like they lost their family over disclosing. I also think it's generational. I truly believe this. I think that my daughter's generation is much more forward. And I think the 40 to 50 year old generations if you if you talk about this, it's going to shame our family, and that's I get to swear that's fucked up. Very like, fucked your up. Kid, your your kid should be fucking number one. Exactly. And it's and it's like no, if you come out and talk about this, we will disown you. And I've heard it time and time again. 
again, what the fuck? I'm going to say it a lot this episode. But it is. It's just like, you know, it's, you know, I have a friend of mine that he's my age. I'll be 49 in November. He's my age. He just had a new baby. And we hadn't talked in years. And we talked, and I was telling him the story. He's like, dude, how are you not in jail? And I'm like, my kid needs me more than me going after the person that hurt her. Mm. She, she needs me more. I'm curious if you have had the chance to encounter the person who, who did this. So we had um, the trial, I don't know, I think we did it two or three months ago. Um, he got off on all charges. Jesus Christ. Thankfully, he broke bail. So he did sit for four and a half, five years in jail waiting for trial. And when he got off on all charges, I was staring him down and I looked over and there were three sheriffs in the courtroom. And I looked at one of the sheriffs and he gave me the shake off of like, don't do it, dude. Because I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, you have damaged my child for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. She is healed. But there's damage done. Mm -hmm. And you're getting to fucking walk out of this courthouse in two days. You know, my daughter got really worried about, you know, once he gets out and he knows where we live. Mm. Um, and I've got my little one and my wife and Maddie lives somewhere else and whatnot. And I'm like, if he ever shows up at my house, I will be going to jail. Like, period. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I'm like, and also, I don't think he's that dumb to do it. No, no, no. But, but. But it's the system is the system is broken. Yep. It's he said, she said, I sat down with the DA after her, her case and said, so basically, if I can, I can attack someone in an alley. And if there's no witnesses and no cameras, it didn't happen because it's a he said, she said that's fucked up. Yeah. And it's because of that, that groups like yours exist i think and at least at least in part because of the the rather damaged system that we have in place it leads to these kinds of things happening yeah no 100 percent, 100 percent. it's just it's broken exactly i i don't i don't honestly i'd like i've said to my wife like if anything ever happened to my youngest daughter i'm like i'm going to jail like we we for seven years fought this to get it to trial you know so the layoff and the trial getting done and everything it was just like okay exhale yeah reset the mind the brain the whole thing and reset our family yeah and just focus on like what's next yep all right for sure all right yeah so let's kind of steer this back a little bit to um the organization that you guys created and so mike's curiosity here is um it being kind of like a you know an organization that isn't it's, it's fulfilling a need that isn't that it's not there, right? In terms of getting funding for those that can't afford it to get the help that they need. How does the organization go about obtaining that? So we do fundraisers. We're doing a 5K this summer, um, and really just getting the word out, spreading it. Um, me being from the tech space for 25 years um, is just reaching out to to folks that I know that have, you know, access to money and try to push that ball forward. And again, we have such a low burn rate with no one pulling salaries and the therapy sessions and the, and the um, partnership with ThriveWorks and the discount they're giving us, it's allowing us to move forward. I think that we have like the podcast, 
we're we're going to start working with legislation to try to figure out how we how do we fix the insurance industry and whatnot. So I'm I'm kind of straying away from your question, but no, no, um, it's all relevant. It's fine. But it's um you know it's just well right now it's been a lot of word of mouth and just friends and whatnot you know, donating and knowing what the cause is, knowing Maddie's story and just wanting to be part of changing someone's life. It's powerful. It's powerful. And I think people are like, okay, it's like, you know, six visits of 600 bucks. I'll throw 600 bucks and get someone through their start to start their journey. One thing I was curious about, just kind of jump off of Curtis's question. Um, is the financial assistance something that can be done just forever or does it have to end to a certain point because you have other folks that you need to support. So we we're currently funded fairly well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did have a person and that was like, boom, in every session on time, didn't reschedule was like taking part of it, wanted it. You knew, you knew in their heart that like, I need this. And we did extend another, um, six visits and we're having a review with thrive works in a couple of weeks to see if we want to continue to fund them because they just don't have insurance or whatever the case may be. The other thing is we have, you know, kids that are, this specific person is under 18 and does not want mom and dad to know. She's not ready for it. So we're paying for it. And hopefully at some point she'll get to the point where she'll, because as soon as it hits mom and dad's insurance, it's like, why have you been going to therapy? It just, it changes the dynamic of her journey and we're just like no let's just let's let's fund it for another six weeks and we'll just review it every six weeks and see we keep funding her there's always with any sort of therapy there's you know there's short term what i kind of call mid-range and then there's the long term but what have you seen going through this um and what has the organization uh, seen so far in terms of the the benefits of the long-term therapy for what you're what you're doing so i can tell you from my personal story maddie was in and out of things she was inpatient twice the first time kicking and screaming second time she asked to go back and then once she came out we did a 58 week um program outpatient program and we were doing four hours of therapy a week and that's where the bulk of what we had to come out of pocket for was because insurance does not cover programs like that so, I mean, our, our mission is if you're willing to disclose or willing to like make that first step, we want you in like thrive, working with ThriveWorks, you're in within two to three days. And it's making that first step of getting you in when you finally got there and not putting up, okay, what's your insurance and what's your policy number and what's all this? Like, no you're in in two days and we'll figure all that out later. So maybe, maybe they'll backdate and I'll, I'll HHH will get refunded back a little bit from ThriveWorks, but it's not our goal. Our goal is you've decided to make that first step. Let's get you in there and get you going. I'm curious about the process just to get like signed up. If someone, you know, they're hearing this podcast and they say, you know what, I want to speak to them. How do you get in that system? So through our website, there's a link, mm-hmm. name, whatever. That is all linked to ThriveWorks. So we have no HIPAA kind of compliance issues that we need to deal with. 
because Thriveworks has all that in place. And within two days, you'll be contacted by a Thriveworks rep to say, hey, here you go. Like they have, I think it's 3,200 online therapists. They have 300, I think, uh, brick and mortar. So like you, within, within two days, 48 hours, like you're, you're connected with somebody. And you may not, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever done therapy, but it's like, you know, you may get connected with someone. You're like, I don't like this person. Okay. Because most of it's online. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. My daughter's in there. And she happily connected immediately with someone that, that worked for her. But yeah, within 48 hours, like you're in. Mm-hmm. And we'll, f- we'll figure out the paperwork later. Uh, I can definitely speak to the benefits because uh, I'm currently seeing a therapist right now, and it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, just working through mm-hmm. a lot of things, things I w- wasn't even aware were there, actually. And yep. her insight is spectacular. And I actually saw a therapist um, a while back after my mom passed away, really just to make sure that I was doing okay, because I couldn't be sure that I was in a good spot. I mean, obviously, I wasn't in a good spot. But I couldn't be sure that I was all right. So I needed them to be kind of that, like, uh, the outside observer just to let me talk. And they can say, yeah, you're doing okay. You're processing properly. Or to say, we need to talk some more because there's a lot of, like, red flags here. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. We had, I think, like, three or four visits. And she said, yeah, Max, you're doing good. You're processing things the way they should be. So I can speak to it both the short term and the long term. There's a lot to gain from it. And I think this is an important factor you're bringing up. Okay, so I think that when we look at statistics of survivors, men are incredibly under underrated in the numbers of men that have gone through this. We're too strong. We can't admit to it. Something happened. Um, you know, my wife and I, like, we're in therapy, marriage counseling. And it's like we love each other to death, but we have communication disconnects, and it's working through those. And I think it's people acknowledging, okay, my opinion, we should all be in therapy and we all should be taking out a van. <laughs> I just, I just think that, you know, I think that, you know, I, I have two guys I've talked to that are in their fifties that have, I'm the first person they've disclosed to about something that happened 30 years ago. And those numbers are so underreported. And it's, you know, yeah, I think I derailed us. <laughs> no, 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 no. You made a, a really valid point. I remember actually speaking to an author a while back who is also a survivor of sexual abuse. And he said the big thing is guys don't report it. We're, 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 we're raised to be like, you've got to be strong and be a manly man. You can't talk about your feelings yeah. or show weakness. Look, folks, I've been in therapy twice. Years ago, actually three times, sorry, three times. Wait, no, four times, sorry. I've been therapy four times, okay? And I can say every single time, they were all, they were all short-term durations, but they were all right, so right. helpful. And I can safely say, if I hadn't done this, I'd be gibbering in a corner right now. I would not be a functional human being. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, fuck the, fuck the stigma, you know? Fuck that noise. Yeah. I mean, we should all yeah. be in therapy all the time just to have someone to talk to who can help us yeah. understand these things. And whether you go in and you talk about fucking football or you talk about the fight you had with your wife or you talked about something that happened in your childhood, just fucking go once or twice a month. Yeah, that's really it. 
go you know go to therapy. Everyone should be in therapy. It's not yeah because it doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong with you. It's just that you have need someone to talk to who can help you understand these things. Yeah, like un unrelated to the sexual abuse. Like my my dad and I were estranged. He died like three or four years ago. He's sitting in my front hall closet, by the way, and <laughs> uh... his, ashes, his, his ashes are and. Oh. Recently, I ran into an artist, Louis Capaldi, and there's a song he has. No, no, sorry, sorry. It's um, um, James Blunt. And there's a song, and it crushed my soul. And I'm like, I wish I had that time back to just go, dude, I don't care. I don't care. We both fucked up. But, like, you're going to go. Okay. Unrelated. Yeah. But it I get, crushed me. I get you. Yeah. I want to ask a bit about uh, ThriveWorks because you mentioned them a couple times and they are a counseling hotline. And uh, for the folks at home who don't know about them, just Google ThriveWorks. You'll find them. Uh, how did this partnership come to be and what do you think is the future of it? So I was reaching out individually to different organizations around Boston and was finding that so many places don't take insurance and these things. And I'm like, all right, let me, let me. I think I actually heard an advertisement for them like on NPR or something. And I'm like, all right, let me like shoot an email. Got connected with this guy, Mark. Um, he's part of their BD team. Fantastic. We've become personal friends at this point. And he's like, let, let's see how we can put this together. Because they they're more of an organization currently. I think they're expanding. A, they were a startup in Boston. I'm a startup guy. And he's like, let me reach out and figure out what we, what we can possibly do and how we can put this together. And went to his CEO and the CEO was like, we have to do this. And just put a plan together of like what the rate's going to be. We're going to ignore like the initial membership costs, all this stuff. We're just going to charge a flat fee for each appointment that comes through um, HHH. So we talked earlier about you've been around for about a year, but uh, what do you have in, in mind for the future uh, in terms of growth as an organization? So I think we're, um, we're going to continue to do fundraising, do some events, like start putting some, some real, real muscle behind doing events, um, getting us out there. I've joined a couple other organizations to kind of cross, cross collaborate, um, we uh, working with state reps that um, I'm thankful to have one that lives across the street from me. Um, I know two other city councilors and try to figure out how that how we can kind of collaborate and get it in other other areas. The podcast, I think we just need to get our word out there, get word out there. You know, you know, my biggest fear when we launched was because there was a lot of press. There was a lot of interviews with, with uh, Bethany, with Jules, with whatnot. And I'm like, my biggest fear was like, oh my God, we're gonna have an influx and we're not gonna have the funds. So it's trying to like dial that balance of making sure that we're, that we're fundraising to support what we're doing and the exposure we're getting. Hopefully we can definitely help with that. And for the folks at home, you go to help hereheal.com you'll find all the information the site is very easy to navigate you'll find the ThriveWorks link you can go to them too certainly for help and uh, Todd thank you for joining us it's been great to learn more about the organization and certainly hopefully you'll get a lot more support down the road 
I appreciate it, guys. Thank you guys so much. All right. Seriously. Like, this is, this is like a, a hardcore passion project, if you will. But mm-hmm. we're, we're going to make this go, and we're going we're gonna to help people down their journey. We will. Absolutely. And, Curtis, once again, man, thank you for joining me. Great to have you in the, uh, the co-pilot seat. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thank you. Hey, this is singer-songwriter and mental health advocate Stephanie Mathias. Be sure to check out my single Hero Side, available on all platforms now, and listen to Citywide Blackout. Your home for the best indie artists. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks to everyone for listening. And be sure to follow the show on Facebook at Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram at Citywide Max. You can reach me at citywidemax at yahoo.com to suggest a guest or submit music for the Blackout Collection playlist. You can find the show wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. And new episodes are aired every Saturday at 10 p.m. EST on Boston Free Radio. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.